Hi friends, it's Wednesday and I am so excited about today's show. This is going to be a packed one. We have Carlos Maza back to talk about YouTube's decision on his harassment case. Sutton Foster is here to talk with Alex, which I'm super excited about. And then we get to talk about straight pride, which doesn't exist. So come join us to talk about that. We'll see you on the timeline. <laughs> Are you straight yet? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg. He's Zach Stafford. It's Wednesday, and you are watching AM to DM. And it's the day that Alex is still not straight. <laughs> no, never. Never. Oh, it never going to happen. Ever. Oh my ever, gosh. Ever, ever, ever. That I'm is... sorry I had to ask you that. It was just like Alex's energy in that moment, if you could feel it, was like, what the hell are you asking this It was for? totally caught off guard, absolutely tickled by the question. But I think you just gave my answer summed up in full. So, yeah. I mean, I have no more comments. On the, the matter. matter. And we'll get to Straight Pride later. We're coming for you, oh, Straight Pride. we are it's indeed. Happening. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, the new season of The Handmaid's Tale has premiered. Lex tweeted, OMG, the first three episodes are streaming tonight. Well, I have the self-control to not watch all of them at once? Probably not. Joining us now to discuss is Nora Dominic, a TV and pop culture writer here at BuzzFeed News. Hello. Hey, guys. Good morning. So jog our memories. Where did we leave off last season? Uh, so basically, we left off with June frustratingly not leaving with Emily and giving her baby to Nicole, to Emily, to bring to Canada and get out of Gilead. So we're picking up basically right where we left off. Mm. Ooh, so uh, June, of course, is Elizabeth Moss's character. There is uh, no show quite like this one that makes me enthusiastically yell at the TV. Um, what are you hoping happens for June in this new season? You know, I really hope something goes right for her. I know this isn't the show where things go right all the time, but I'm really <laughs> hoping for it. I'm hoping for at least one uplifting moment throughout the whole season, so we'll see what we get. Mm. So who are your favorite characters in this huge show? Um, my personal favorite has always been Emily, Alexis Bledel's character. I just, I was a huge Gilmore Girls fan. And I think oh, yeah. seeing her do something so drastically different has been absolutely amazing. And I really like her. Do you have any watching habits? Like a lot of people said that they watched all three episodes last night. Uh, is there anything that you like to do to get yourself in the headspace to watch this show? Basically, I jump right into it. Um, I'll usually, I watched two episodes last night. I saved the third one for a little bit later. But then I always have to watch an uplifting show afterwards or something I can really just like zone out and watch because it's so heavy, this show, and it continues to be in this new season. And do you have any advice for people binging such a heavy show? That's a big burden, it feels like, at times. <laughs> totally. Um, I always recommend binging maybe one at a time. I know it's not the standard, and I think Hulu actually does a great job of rolling them out week to week, which is so much better for this kind of show. Um, and I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I feel like, ugh, I'm really going to have to wait for these following episodes. I yep. just want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, I think it's the best way to do it. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens this season. Can't wait to see what happens this season. Well, we'll have to have you back on to talk about this Absolutely. One. <laughs> Anytime. And everybody's got to catch up because we don't want to spoil it for you. Yes, it's so good. Avoid spoilers at all costs. The first episode has a huge moment in it. I hope you don't get spoiled by Ooh. it. Yeah. Well, Nora, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. And as we mentioned, lots of people stayed up all night watching The Handmaid's Tale. So let's take it to the timeline. What show have you stayed up all night watching? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to Lost Girl. That's the one I've stayed up all night watching. That's, That's great. That's yeah. a great show. Great show. So switching gears this morning, yesterday Vox journalist Carlos Maza spoke with us about the homophobic and racist harassment he is facing due to conservative YouTube creator Stephen Crowder's content. 
Carlos tweeted yesterday, I don't know what to say. YouTube has decided not to punish Crowder after he spent two years harassing me for being gay and Latino. I don't know what to say. Backlash ensued after YouTube made their decision. Jamil Smith tweeted, I love that YouTube, one of the biggest purveyors of right-wing hate on Earth, has a rainbow avatar for Pride Month. They ignored serial and blatant homophobic harassment that Carlos Maza got from a guy with millions of subscribers. But look at the pretty colors. Today, we've asked Carlos to come back on to chat about what's next, especially as the company continues to focus on Pride Month celebrations. Good morning, Carlos. Hey, y'all. Hi, good to see you again. So since we spoke yesterday, YouTube has come into come out in defense of Crowder. Can you walk us through the response? Yeah, they uh, they basically went radio silent uh, for four days, uh, saying they were reviewing the clips I had compiled of two years of him calling me things like a lispy queer and a gay Mexican and making fun of my voice and appearance. And after you know a long period of review, they said that nothing that he had done had violated their anti-harassment policy, their anti-bullying policy, or anti-hate speech policy. And then in a follow-up comment they gave to another outlet, they said that the reason why is because... Uh, Harassing me was not the main focus of his videos. He was debunking my videos, and harassment was just peppered in. So that's allowed uh, by YouTube standards, according to them. Harassment was just peppered in, he said. Mm. Well, YouTube sent us a statement where they said that in the first quarter of 2019, they removed 47,443 videos and 10,623 accounts for violation of policies on cyberbullying and harassment. But it's also been pointed out that this usually relates to accounts with smaller follower counts. Do you think YouTube is openly protecting people like Crowder for doing something less famous people are punished for? Yeah, I mean, my response to that number would be, who gives a shit? Because they focus on creators who don't drive a lot of views to the platform, who, of course, they can take down and then brag to reporters and journalists, look at all this good stuff we've done. The stuff that matters is the major, major creators who have millions of subscribers who got those fans because YouTube rewarded their inflammatory speech with an algorithm that sends more followers their way. It should not be the policy that you're allowed to get away with harassment and hate speech on YouTube as long as you're popular enough to make them uncomfortable about shutting you down. And that's the policy right now. If you are a right-wing creator who wants to make fun of someone for being gay or for being, for being Hispanic, all you need to do is make sure that you have enough followers who have been brought to you by YouTube's algorithm that YouTube is stressed out about shutting you down because they don't want to be accused of conservative bias and because YouTube profits off of hateful content. It is YouTube's design that they want content that is cheap, quick, and triggers an aggressive response in the audience. And guess what does that? Calling someone a lispy queer for two years does that. This stuff is good for YouTube. And the reason that they want to have these policies is because they want to distract advertisers from the reality that YouTube is designed to make monsters like this. Mm. And Carlos, you mentioned that YouTube is making a ton of money off hate content. But what they're not speaking to is the real life implications of that content for folks like you. Could you let us know what it's like to wake up every day and have to deal with this type of harassment? It's miserable. Like I can't use my social media platforms right now because everything I tweet, any message I send is getting bombarded with people calling me a faggot or saying that I should be killed. And those people exist and are organized because YouTube gave the monsters at the head of those movements a platform to rally supporters to their base, to build loyalty and to build a profile. Steven Crowder was a nobody until YouTube. He got fired from Fox News for not being funny enough to be on Fox News. The reason he exists is because YouTube gave him for free a massive platform to build an army. And now that army has made it basically impossible for me to use social media. And YouTube wants to pretend that what they're doing has no effect on queer creators. There are tons of queer creators and creators of color 
who have left the platform, who have stopped posting so much because it is freaking miserable being on YouTube right now. And they know that. They just don't care. I just want to tease out the experience of harassment a little bit more. I mean, how does this spill over, you know, to in real life? This is real life. But, uh, you know, do you have further concerns about your safety every single day just because of the torrent of harassment? Yeah, my phone number got given out last year and I got I was out shopping with my mom and got a phone call from a stranger uh, asking me about if I worked at Vox. And when I hung up, I got probably 100 text messages at the exact same time, all telling me that I should bake Steven Crowder. I have no idea how they got my number. I have no idea who else has my number. I've gotten death threats that mention family members. Like, this is hell. And if you haven't experienced this, no matter how thick-skinned you are or how good of a journalist you are, this is a nightmare. And it's a nightmare that exists because YouTube allows monsters to develop armies like this while putting rainbow colors on their avatar. Mm, that sounds incredibly horrible, Carlos, and we're so sorry that's your experience currently. But we were also wondering about the young people that come online to see content for LGBTQ people. YouTube has been called a safe space for so many young people to find themselves. But as you're speaking to us, it sounds like this may not be a safe space anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, anyone who claims YouTube is a safe space is full of shit. The most important thing you can do to create a safe space is enforce policies that protect marginalized communities from abuse and harassment. If you don't, you get what's happening on YouTube now, which is that bullies get major platforms, major audiences, use those audiences to target marginalized creators. Those marginalized creators leave, and then all you're left with is the bullies. If you go on YouTube right now, it's dominated by alt-right monsters. And it's because YouTube doesn't enforce its anti-harassment policies. And for people who think this is a free speech issue, the net result of not enforcing these policies is that queer and marginalized communities lose their access to speech because the cost of us participating on these platforms is having to accept an unbelievable amount of abuse and harassment. And that is not a cost most human beings are willing to pay. So you might claim it's a free speech platform and you might say you don't crack down on this stuff because you care about speech, but the net result is that those who need to speak the most aren't able to because they have to fear being doxxed and harassed every time they show up as themselves on these platforms. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today during a very tumultuous time, and we'll be following along closely. So have a great day. Thanks for having me. Well, BuzzFeed News tweeted, autistic people are sick of anti-vaxxers spreading misinformation. Quote, let go of the idea that it is better to risk killing your child or someone else's with a vaccine-preventable disease than for the kid to be autistic. BuzzFeed News reporter Claudia Kerner tweeted, vaccines don't cause autism, but anti-vaccine misinformation is part of why this current measles outbreak is so bad. It's also adding to the stigma around autism, autistic adults and advocates told me. Claudia joins us now. Hi, Claudia. Hi there. So there's a lot to unpack here. So first, can you remind us how anti-vaxxers fueled this latest measles outbreak? Sure. So most kids are vaccinated. Most people are vaccinated. But in some communities, there's a really high percentage of people who believe that vaccines are more dangerous than the diseases they prevent, that they can cause things like autism that have these lifelong effects on people, which isn't true and the science doesn't back that up, but they're still out there spreading that message. So how does this myth of vaccine injury create more stigma around autism? Yeah, so the autistic people I spoke to, um, they're just concerned that this kind of misinformation makes people really afraid of autism instead of um, being more accepting of autistic people who are already here and should be part of our community. Mm -hmm. And where do the autistic individuals you spoke to hope to see all this research go in the future? 
Yeah. So um, right now, a lot of research is focused on, um, again, proving that vaccines are safe, which has already been proven. It's focused on things like curing and preventing autism. And people who are autistic are afraid that there's just not enough um, research being spent on things that can help their lives right now and um, the issues they might face as they age, what diseases they might be more susceptible to because of their neurobiology, and also um, how they can more easily be part of world, how they, the world and how they can adapt to it. Now, you also wrote that, uh, you know, sometimes the stigma is perhaps unintentionally reinforced by public health officials. Uh, how do they do that by uh, debunking vaccine misinformation? Well, autism sort of is this boogeyman in this conversation, right? That, um, you know, it's awful um, that the, the conversations often go, vaccines don't cause autism, and it, it sort of implies that autism is this, this awful thing that we should be afraid of. And autistic adults want people to know that they can have very happy, healthy, fulfilling lives with autism. And um, they're concerned that a lot of the time the conversation focuses on the deficits autistic people have instead of what they are capable of. Mm. And how do you think these conversations should change in order to stop the stigma from occurring when we're talking about anti-vaxxers? Well, I learned a lot by talking to autistic people. I think that can make a difference. Um, get to know autistic people who are in your community and um, listen to them when they say that they're more interested in adapting and getting support than learning about um, and focusing on what, what the, the cure for autism is. Was there anything else that uh, the autistic individuals that you spoke with for this story uh, told you that really stuck with you or was maybe new information uh, in your reporting? Well, I was pretty stunned that across the board, people are so frustrated by this misinformation um, that we're still having this conversation that vaccines don't cause autism. And um, again, autistic people are happy that public health officials are saying that because they want people to be vaccinated. That's good for everybody. But they also wish that they could be talking about some other things, you know, such as what they need to be supported in the world, what they need to be accepted. Mm. And has anti-vaxxers been using this stigma to kind of support their own ideology around not getting vaccines? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. Oh, I was trying to refer to, like, is this a, an ideology or a way of thinking that anti-vaxxers have used to say, you know, we, we think that vaccines are a way that, you know, kind of, um, how do I say, you know, produce stigma around autistic people. So this is why we're not going to engage with this. Um, I mean, anti-vaxxers really play on people's fears and emotions, um, and, and parents are concerned that vaccines could hurt their kids they, when they see, um, you know, these testimonials put out by anti-vaxxers. Uh, so I think it is important to um, allay their fears, to let them know that they know that vaccines are safe, and there has been a lot of research for that. You mentioned earlier that you were surprised by learning about the frustration um, that autistic folks have had, uh, you know, about this conversation and the coverage. How did you come to actually report this story out? Oh, I actually heard from um, a reader who's autistic. And um, I've been doing a lot of coverage on this uh, measles outbreak. We asked all of the Democratic presidential candidates what they thought about um, vaccination and whether it should be mandatory, how it should be mandatory. And um, a woman who's autistic asked me why I wasn't asking autistic people some of these same questions. And she was a really good point, and I'm really glad I did. 
Excellent. Well, really appreciated your story. Highly recommend that our viewers check it out. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And later on the show, I'll be sitting down with Broadway icon and star of the show Younger, Sutton Foster. But up next, we're talking about Boston's Straight Pride Parade. Mm. (laughs) It's going to be super fun. Super fun. (laughs) Yesterday, Twitter exploded as news of a potential new Boston event drew lots of outrage. BuzzFeed News tweeted, a group of men claim they want to hold a Straight Pride Parade in Boston, and the trolls are out in full force. People rightfully pointed out why a straight pride parade doesn't actually work. (laughs) Gavin tweeted, why you don't need straight pride? Your sexuality has never been criminalized. Your sexuality has never been punishable by death. Your sexuality has never made you feel different. You've never had to fight for marriage equality or equal rights. Mm. Scott Bixby tweeted, isn't this just the St. Patrick's Day parade? So, you know, I used to live in Chicago. Chicago and Boston have two of the largest St. Patrick's Day parades ever, and we openly refer to it as straight pride because it was the day the straight people got to act like the gays, which is not true. They it's just not true. get drunk in public. We don't act like that. God. So, But it's like, for real, like, not only do they have that holiday, mm-hmm. they have Halloween, they have uh, Christmas. Mar- Christmas, Mardi Gras, just about all days ending in Y. And here yeah. we are with our one month, our couple of days, our one damn parade yeah. in we a city. This is why we can't have nice things. You this know, is why we can't have nice we things. We get a month to say, you know what, we're going to center our experiences and what we've been through, our histories. And then y'all come through every year this happens, like literally every year. And someone's like, oh, I want a permit for a straight bride. Like, what? I just don't. I don't get the rationale. Rationale. Me neither. I mean, I don't think that there is really a rationale no. there. My big question is how fragile is your masculinity that you must center yourself mm-hmm. during a time when other folks are trying to... Uh, celebrate our moment mm-hmm. when you are centered in every yeah. single major institution, uh, you know, in most news stories, in just about yeah. everything. And I want to give them a little leeway, but not too much. <laughs> I, I get, you are far more generous I than me. I get the why. I don't, I don't agree with it. But, you know, they look at pride and they see it as this big per- parade in which you as a straight person or a gay person, rather a queer person, can walk through the streets and get drunk and act debaucherous. Um, and they're like, I want that. I'm not in New Orleans. But Pride is not about that. And we as a community are fighting so hard, especially this year, to make Pride a bigger thing, to really understand that it came out as a riot, a riot run by queer people of color, trans folk, gender non-conforming folks. And of course, that history has been a little muddled over the years as more corporations have come in and it's become a bigger party. But in a year in which we're trying to say, you know, Pride is about fighting back and fighting forward. This is not the case for you to take up today, dear sirs. Today is not. (laughs) This is not Today is not the day. But I do think you bring up such a good point, which is this balance that I feel like a a lot of folks uh, in the LGBTQIA community Mm -hmm. are always going through uh, around a lot of these parades and celebrations. It's like, on the one hand, yes, we want mainstream acceptance. We want the needle to move culturally. um, And that means getting support from corporations. Um, and at the same time, sometimes it feels like we lose sight of the fact that, uh, you know, this was started by a riot. Mm-hmm. This was started by civil unrest. Mm-hmm. It, this was started by a grassroots yeah. effort. I would love to see these these men, because they filed a permit in, in Boston to try to make this happen. And Boston said, eh, now girl, not today. <laughs> now they're threatening to sue. But if you have this much energy to make a statement, you know, Donald Trump just today said he banned trans people from the military because of uh, costs associated with the, the medicine they, they need for different uh, different uh, operations or moments of their transition. 
But when Pierce Morgan, who pushed back on him, I don't know if you heard about this, he said, you know, Viagra costs more than any treatment or any access to care that trans folks need in the military. So if you, you have this much energy, focus it on that, please, because there's so much out there for you to take up, and it's not called straight pride. Mm. I'm sorry. You want to celebrate some straight pride? Show up for trans people, show up for queer people. Use your privilege and be an accomplice, right? That's, yeah. I think that's a term accomplice. that a lot of folks accomplice are like. In the fight. Yeah, exactly. Take it on. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, let's take it to the timeline. What holidays are great examples of straight pride already? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to DM. You can have a little fun with this one. Yes, have all the fun. <laughs> yes. Well, up next, Zach is talking to the hosts of BuzzFeed's newest show, What to Watch. Ooh, oh, I'm so very excited. excited to learn about this. Our sisters. Our sisters. <laughs> Oh, hey there, Twitter. Welcome back. So BuzzFeed UK tweeted, OMG, we're just days away from What to Watch, a brand new TV review show from BuzzFeed UK and Twitter UK. Each week, Scott Bryan and Dion Grant will help you work out TV shows worth your time. Scott and Dion join me now. Hi. Hi. Hi, sisters. We're now in this uh, BuzzFeed TV little bubble together. It's so nice to meet you both. Mm-hmm. Nice and cozy. It's great. I love it. One day we'll do a crossover. We'll do a what to watch, but AM to DM cross mix. Yeah. It's going to have the longest name ever. It's going to be very confusing. It's going to be like what to the A to the DM to the watch. Yeah. That's not a hashtag. That's an essay. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you all, how many hours of television do you watch per week to discover the best shows to recommend? I say too much. I mean, the fact is that I end up watching a lot of TV that isn't very good. You know, so I always balance, find that, yeah, balance, balance, balance. yeah, I always end up watching the very good, the utter terrible. And then sort of in the middle, there's a lot of stuff that goes the wayside. So I like to say more than most people, but not so much. It doesn't mean that they're outside. I was going to say, you must really love your hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but me personally, I kind of test in the week and binge on the weekends. So I test what I kind of like. And then the weekends, I'm just like sweatpants, chilling with no makeup on. Sweatpants. Yeah. Sweatpants. I'm just trying to, yeah. we call it tracksuits over here, but I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So you mentioned testing out, but I'd love to know which platforms are you choosing from and how do you narrow down the options? There's just so much to watch out there across so many different places. You hit a nail on the head. And that's kind of why the show exists in a way, because, you know, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon, you've got BBC iPlay, you've got Apple coming in, creating a hell of a lot of stuff. You've got every new uh, couple of weeks, there's a new stream provider propping up. And I think you just need to kind of cut through. So I say that, like, we're going to be skipping through quite a lot of, you know, the main shows that are coming up and worth your time, rather than dilly-dallying on stuff that you might have already seen. Like, we have a thing called Stream, like this Stream app. When yeah. we talk about a show that you might have liked and hear some other alternative shows that are worth your time. Yeah, and that, that's basically what it is, really, isn't it? Like, and we're also informed by Twitter, which is the basis of the show. So we take a look at Twitter, what is trending, what people are talking about, and we use that to kind of power what to watch. That's yeah. basically it, yeah. And that's what I do personally as well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I love that. So what shows are the top, are the top of your recommendation list today? Ooh, I think there's Black Mirror that's been out for about five hours. 
to that. <laughs> yeah, 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 no worries. Um, so that, that, that was out. So there's only three new episodes from Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. Um, I highly recommend, and there's the Miley Cyrus one that's got a lot of interest today, but I also really recommend the Andrew Scott one. He is in Phoebe Waller-Bridge's uh, Fleabag. And, you know, he's was one of the best things in season two, along with Phoebe herself, but also he's one of the best things in Black Mirror. And there's something so amazingly personal, but I'd say don't read any reviews, really. Don't really even learn the synopsis. It's one of those dramas yeah. that it, uh, I recommend going in blind. Yeah, and me personally, I'll be telling everyone, it's when they see us. Ava DuVernay's um, four-part series on um, Netflix. I mean, happy to shoot it already, but that got me and it's got a lot of people. But top of my recommendation list, definitely. Mm. And I just began watching the Ava uh, series last night. It is incredible, which I'm now wondering because, you know, spoilers are a big thing on the internet. How will you all keep us up to date with commentary as seasons progress without spoiling it on the way for so many? I mean, my mindset is, and I hate to be like controversial here for the sake of being controversial, but my mindset is if you don't want to know what happens, don't go on Twitter. Just don't go on social media. Ooh. Just until you've seen it. Because the fact is, if you've got like Game of Thrones having hundreds of millions of viewers watching all on the same day, the fact that you decide not to tweet or you're telling your colleague or friend not to go and tweet during the show in case yeah. that's a spoiler, isn't going to stop everybody else. And I think that we all go on to so much of our social media instinctively. We prop us up and we all scroll through in one go. And I think there's some goodness in just putting your phone down just for an hour yeah. and then getting onto it and reacting when it happens. But then what if I want to watch AM to DM and the spoilers about? Like, what am I meant to do? What? Get up at 4 a.m., Dion. <laughs> get up at 4 a.m. Okay, bye. <laughs> Don't bring AM to DM into spoilers. We do none of that here. We don't need a cross pond fighting about who spoils what. <laughs> okay, so I love the show Killing Eve. It's so brilliant. And I heard that, Scott, you're trying to get Dion to watch it also. So yeah. I'm going to put a timer up and challenge you to give Dion and the world watching your best 30-second pitch on why they should watch it too. Ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. I mean, all I need to say is Phoebe Waller-Bridge and then that's it. I mean, but, but generally, it's got such an interesting premise. It really innovates and changes the normal genre that you would be expecting. It's about cat and mouse. It really has some real dark comedic moments that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Season two takes it in a different direction. You sort of wonder how the, the normal transitions will change. But also, it's a miniseries. You can watch it in one go. It feels more like a long film than an actual TV series. Am I in time? You have Am I in seven time? seconds. Oh, oh, and, and, and uh, yeah, and we're we'll, uh, doing the second series, and there we go. Yay! <laughs> Fabulous, fabulous job. I am already, uh, you know, into it, but I would watch it now, Scott. So I think you did a great job. Dion, what do you think? You're doing a great job. Good. You're doing a great job. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Dion Scott, it's fantastic to meet you and welcome to the family of TV on Twitter. So, <laughs> so what, what to Watch will premiere on Twitter tomorrow, June 6th. So be sure to follow BuzzFeed UK and Twitter. But up next, Alex is talking to the leaders of the Sunrise Movement. Stay tuned. For the past year, young people have been at the forefront of different movements, from gun control to LGBTQ rights. And over the next few months, we're going to be talking to some of them. And today, we're starting with climate change. Joining me now is Varshini, Varshini Prakash, co-founder and executive director of the Sunrise Movement, and Sia Ameli Hajibi, a student activist. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having us. Hey. So Varshini, I wanna kick it off with you. What is the Sunrise Movement's plan to combat climate change? 
Yeah, I'll start a little bit with just what we are. I'm, we are building a movement of young people across America to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs for our generation. And we are really seeing ourselves as transforming the, the out and the frustration that young people have had for decades at seeing how the political establishment has, has failed to take on this issue. So we really merge. Um, we are a social movement of young people that's merging things like protest and demonstration, the sort of rallies and that you see electoral organizing, actually putting people in office who hold our values. Saya, how did you get interested in this kind of activism? I mean, I mean, like a better question is like, how could I not be fighting? How could I how could I not be fighting when um, back when I used to uh, my family and I moved here from Iran about eight years ago? And um, like I, one of the memories I remember so vividly is is just walking into my brother's room on this beautiful spring day. And I was about to ask him, let's go outside. Let's go and play. And instead, um, I was seeing him choking on air on the terrain the pollution in Tehran, all the chemicals, his throat closing up. And um, I, I just remember feeling so helpless and, and so scared, so afraid that um, of, of what this was doing to him. And um, I, I just, I, I can't, um, I can't in good conscience, not be doing all that I can to, to, to help my brother and, and all of those families and those people who are having their, their communities torn down by hurricanes or the families running out of their houses because th their house is on fire. Um, I just have to act. Yeah, I can get such a sense of the urgency. And you said, you know, how could I not? So, Saya, how do you think that older generations have dropped the ball on addressing climate change and all of the justice issues that come with it? I mean... It's easy to dwell on the past and try to um, blame where we are right now on, on, on people. But, but really what matters is to what can we do now? What can we do next? So those older generations that um, have perhaps dropped that ball on us, well, they're still here and they can still help us succeed. They can still help us in Sunrise. They can still, um, our elected officials in office, they can still pass laws that um, because it's not too late. Well, it's not too late, and we can act now. Speaking of elected officials, Varchini, here's a tweet from the Sunrise Movement. Last month, we put the national spotlight on Joe Biden's advisors talking about a middle ground climate plan that included more fossil fuel development. We forced them to backtrack, and today he put out a comprehensive climate plan that praises the Green New Deal. Now, yesterday, Business Insider reported that the plan lives from environmental organizations, but what do you think of his plan and now this subsequent controversy? Sure. I mean, I, I first I would like my I went through a range of emotions yesterday. I think first was like shock at waking up and seeing a 22 page climate plan that moves America to net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 that invests tens of millions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in research and development and creating good jobs and, and all of that. Um, I'm remiss to not point out that just a month ago, Joe Biden was talking about moderating his approach to climate. He received significant backlash about it. And so for us and, and the many young people that I talked to yesterday and got their reactions, I think people are feeling a healthy level of skepticism and feeling like we would be naive in this moment if we just took Joe Biden's words um, and, and, and trusted that completely. 
And uh, we are going to be looking to see in the upcoming months and, and Joe Biden's words are just words and platitudes, or if he's planning to turn that into serious action. And until then, we're going to continue to push not only Joe Biden, but the entire field to raise their ambition um, to, to, to actually draft climate plans that are in line with the latest science, because right now, no politician is putting forward an ambitious enough plan that actually saves the millions of people's lives, especially those who are the most vulnerable amongst us. Hmm. And I heard you're planning an upcoming demonstration at one of the Democratic debates, I believe, uh, in July. Saya, if you could sit across from Joe Biden or anybody else in the Democratic field, what would you tell them about what you want them to do about this issue? Um, I'd be like, well, you guys have put this off for so long. Um, and, and you've seen the suffering that has, uh, has arisen from it. And, um, and you have the chance to, to make the, make a change. Um, so I tell him like, get right on that. Um, like he, he's taking a good step right now with, um, endorsing parts of the green new deal and um having a plan to address climate change but we need him to to do that on day one and we need to do him and we need to when we need that to um really address the urgency um yeah really address the urgency well varshini and saya thank you so much for joining me thank you for having us and up next i'm sitting down with two-time tony award-winning actor sutton foster Welcome back. I am joined by two-time Tony Award-winning actor Sutton Foster. You are here to talk about the sixth season of Younger. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. No problem. I'm so thrilled. I am so thrilled, too. And we ended season five where it looks like you and Charles will be together. Things might be a little bumpy, it appears. But I want to ask you personally, are you... Team Charles or Team Josh? It's like an impossible question. <laughs> um, I always say I'm Team Liza. Team Liza. Yeah. She, I mean, she went into all this. I mean, the boys have been a wonderful distraction, <laughs> or these these men. Um, but I, I really feel like, uh, and 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 yes, yeah, she's walking off in at the end of season five with Charles. And it, it, it's we start season six with that sort of careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've gotten everything that they, that they wanted, but at what cost, at what price? I, I wonder how it'll all play out. I, I don't know. Um, both What I love about the show is that they've given Liza these two, uh, these two romantic interests, and they're both wonderful. Like, either way she goes, it's, it, they're both wonderful guys. It's not like... You know, one is like horrible, and she, why was she with that guy? But they're both wonderful options. So I, we'll see, we'll see. Both wonderful options. We will definitely see. I always know. keeping my fingers crossed and always having a personal back and forth with myself over who, what team I'm on, but always, <laughs> always Team Liza. So I hear that. Um, well, you posted a photo of your castmate Hillary Duff with your daughter Emily on set. Yeah. Very sweet photo. Um, does Emily have a favorite castmate? She's pretty fond of Hillary. <laughs> um, it's been so great because we've been able to, because uh, Hillary has a, a, her daughter's like six months, seven months. And so w- while we were filming, we were able to bring our, our babies to set. And um, it's, it's been just incredible. But, but em- Emily's quite fond of, uh, of Hillary. And she goes, Hillary, where are you? <laughs> and she like runs down the hall, like banging on her, on her dressing room door. And, uh, but she's, she's become, she was like a little mascot for season six. And she'd go get her touch up done in, in the hair and makeup trailer and 
and everyone's an uncle or an aunt. And so it's, it's been really great. I love that. That sounds really adorable and a nice kind of energy to have yeah, on yeah. set with you. Yeah. Is it nice working on a show where, you know, the main leads of the show are both working parents? Yeah. I mean, we all are, uh, you know, all of our, we all are moms, you know, Debbie and Miriam, we all have kids and, mm-hmm. Um, we're all trying to juggle it all, yeah. balance it all, and uh, and then we can. And we're all in different stages, you know, of, of where we are with our with our children. And but it's 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 been incredible. We're all strong, powerful women, you know, trying yeah. trying to do our best. Yeah. Well, uh, I put out a call for tweets from your fans. Okay. We got many submissions for questions, and we have this one from Lauren who wants to know if you could bring any of your former Broadway co-stars as a guest star on Younger, who oh, would it be? Wow, that is such. An awesome question. Um, the first person, wow, the first person I thought of was Brian Darcy James. I don't know why. He, I, we started in Shrek together. Um, I don't know what, uh, somehow he would be fun. Or Gavin Creel, Gavin from Millie. Yeah. I, I'm now, yeah. And now I'm like, and then this one, and this one, and this one. <laughs> Bring them all. I, I've had Bring some all. pretty great co-stars, <laughs> so it would be fun to be able to see them in the world of Younger. Well, quite a few people on Younger also sing. Oh, yeah. Is there going to be a musical episode? I feel like I saw There's a, there, a There is teasers. a little bit of... Yeah, yeah. I don't think our characters have these hidden talents. Like, it's not like all of a sudden Liza's like <laughs> singing a song. But but we do, they do find ways to incorporate music into the show that feels like natural and organic to the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, speaking of musicals, uh, when you have been in Broadway and in theater, have you ever had parallel experiences with Liza in terms of ageism or that kind of pressure? We often hear about it in Hollywood. Right. Um, you know, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. I'm, as I'm navigating my career, um, I haven't, I haven't had to experience it directly, uh, on, in stage thing. It's, it, I mean, and I've, I've played characters. I've been in my thirties and forties playing characters who are supposed to be in their twenties on stage. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, but I'll, I'll talk to me in 10 years and it might be different, but I, I do feel like, um, in, in theater, there's, a the, we have a, the, the area, it's not as, um, it's not as uh, microscopic, it's not under the microscope, but mm. there's a little bit more distance and a, a little bit more imagination, I'd say. Mm. That, so it's, there's a, the, the lines are blurrier. Mm. Well, I mentioned earlier you are a two-time Tony Award winner yourself. <laughs> you are actually presenting at the awards uh, this weekend. Yeah, I'll be there on Sunday. I'm so excited. Have you gotten a preview of the show or anything like that? No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just get to sit in the audience as a fan. I'm so excited. And it's so nice to be able to go to the Tonys and not have the pressure to be performing. or yeah, I get to just sit and enjoy and watch all my friends be awesome. Yeah, do you have any advice for any of the winners or anyone oh, gosh. who's going as a nominee? Just to try to enjoy every moment, it's like impossible because you're nervous and you have so much you have to do, but to just try to just soak it all up because it really is, you know, I grew up watching the Tonys and I still get such a thrill and I, I feel like that 15-year-old kid, mm. you know, so it, it, it never gets old. It's just a, it's a really special night, a, a huge celebration. Mm. So for everyone to just, just try to, um, the most impo- impossible thing, but try to be present and, 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 and enjoy it while, you, while it's happening. Are there any shows or actors you're particularly excited about? Oh, gosh. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't seen everything. That's, that's also yeah, frustrating because yeah. I've been filming, so I haven't seen everything. So it's hard for me to, like, I, I can't even tell you what my favorite is because I haven't seen it, seen it all. 
Mm. Now you're actually, you're returning to Broadway yourself after six years for The Music Man with Hugh Jackman. Next year. Yeah, how does it feel to return? <laughs> it feels like the, the veteran returning. <laughs> you know, I, it feels great. I'm so excited. I, 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 I feel so lucky that I've had this opportunity with Younger and, and to be able to do television. And, but I will always feel like theater is my home. So it's, it, it was, it's never been about one or the other. I hope to be able to incorporate both throughout the rest of my life. And um, I'm so excited to be able to, to uh, come back with this show in particular. It's such a classic. And, and to be able to work with Hugh Jackman is, you know, a, a, a dream. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to process it. Yeah. So I'm excited. Well, when we put out the call for uh, tweets from fans, the Bunhead stands came out in full force. Amazing. So I can't let you go without asking about this. Danielle tweeted, given how much success Amy Sherman Palladino has had with Gilmore Girls and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, why do you think Bunheads only lasted one season? Aww. I know. I the feel people like, want I was Bunheads. like, Bunheads was ahead of its time. <laughs> you know what? I feel so lucky to, to have been on a show that is still talked about so much and still loved. You know, I, I loved, Bunheads was like, the greatest thing ever. I, I wish it was still on, but then I wouldn't have younger, you know, it says all those things. Yeah. But I felt like it was a combination of, you know, a lot of, a lot of factors. Um, and, and I, it, it, I feel lucky that it existed. And um, so I, I, I'm, I'm just happy that it existed at all. So, yeah. Well, that's such a sweet note to end this on. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And season six of Younger premieres June 12th on TV Land. Up next, Zach is doing fire tweets with SNL star Chris Red. Ooh. Welcome back, Twitter. It's time for Fire Tweets. And today, I am joined by comedian and actor Chris Redd, who you might know from SNL. And he's also starring in a new movie called Deep Murder, which is, sounds really great. We're going to get into that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, have you played Fire Tweets before? I don't uh, know if you sit at home and... Only on the toilet, yeah. On the toilet? <laughs> yeah, only on the toilet. So, how this works is I'm going to hit a button first to show you how it goes. Right. We'll read the tweet, and then we'll talk about it. Dope. It won't be like therapy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Ooh, unless you want to go there. Awesome. So Sydney Washington, you Ooh. tweeted, people who can really sing should be banned from karaoke. I'm just not here. I'm just here trying to do this Mariah Carey song off key and laugh with some messy counterparts. Then here you go with I will always love you like it's American Idol. There's no industry at this dive bar. Be easy. So are you a singer? Uh, I, I hold notes. <laughs> you hold notes? I hold notes like babies. You Do you know? drop them a lot? Uh, just like babies as well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I, I can miss a couple keys okay. every time. You know what I'm saying? I also know Sydney Washington. What's up, Sydney? Uh, you yes, Sydney. She's a very funny lady. And uh, she's right, man. Some people go and show off, mm -hmm. and I don't like that. Chill, fam. You know she's what I'm just saying? just like hang out, get drunk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or, I mean, you can go sing, but like yeah. wait, till, wait till we get all our sh stuff off our chest. Yeah, let us fail, then you come and sweep Yeah, yeah. Then, then, it's, then it's more impressive. We, plus, we're drunker. We, yeah. don't wanna, we don't care no more. Yeah, exactly. I want to do this with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your turn. You, yeah. you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Bam. Boom. Ooh. Everyone upset that Game of Thrones isn't working out the way they want it. You can always start a family and stop trying to find meaning from premium cable. <laughs> Tim <laughs> Dillon. Were, were you a fan of the show? I am a fan of the show. Okay. I, I, I wasn't like a water cooler fan. Like I wasn't like always talking about mm -hmm. it like crazy, but I was watching every single episode. Okay. I was, it was cliffhanging, you know, but uh, 
You know, Tim, it's okay to not have a family, dog. You know what I'm saying? Some people are just lone wolves <laughs> in life. You could you could chill too. How about that? Yeah, single, single lone wolf. <laughs> What's up, Tim? I know all these people. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. These are all very hilarious. We're gonna dramas. tag them at everyone. Yes, this we, is we need to tag them. That's great. <laughs> all right, so Nikki, you tweet it. If you're rich and don't tip at least 20%, I hope you never find love. Do you feel pressure to tip a lot? Because I know, like, you're on SNL, huge yeah. show. Yeah. I'm sure you get recognized when you go out. Do you Sometimes, feel that yeah. pressure when you're like, oh, shit, I really got to give this, like, extra dollar? I feel, okay, so I've worked about 50 jobs. Okay. And um, about 20 of them were serving jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's only fair for the, for the uh, karma and the universe that I tip forever. Because I know what it's like to live off those tips, man. Yeah, so I I agree a hundred percent about uh, about that tweet, Nikki. And <laughs> I would I would start a petition with you. I would riot with you. Yes. Also, hey Nikki, I know all these people. This is amazing. This. <laughs> so one tipping argument we got into the other day was you tip on Uber or Lyft. I, I tip all the time. You tip there too? Yeah. I fail at that. I forget every time. For real? Yes. It's yes. right there. I know. It promises you. I'm a failure. It's like, hey, give money. Oh God. Okay. I'm being shamed for this. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna do the tweet of the day. We're moving on now. <laughs> Tweet of the day, we're going to do this together. So oh, for real? Button. Yeah. Okay. Are, are you, you, you going to count it down? You're going to read. You're going to count it down? Yes. Three, two, two one. one. Bam. Oh, nice. Uh, who's, who's, who's that? Oh, I am at a very fancy event, and the actress I've watched my whole life waved in my direction, and I waved back. She was waving at somebody behind me. Now I'm still waving, trying to find an alibi behind her. We're at an auction. I just bought something I can't afford. <laughs> Help. So who tweeted this? <laughs> that was me. I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted that. Uh, and who is the person you're talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, she, was, she was from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, and I don't want to embarrass myself on TV. But um, but yeah, I was I was I was waving at her, and then and then I don't think she was she was she was looking at me. She was looking at somebody behind me. Mm-hmm. We don't know each other like that. <laughs> but she could have been looking at me. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't expect to be put on the spot about this like this. I'm hot. <laughs> it, it wasn't even hot when I walked in here. Why is it hot now? You're sure. Wait, so what did you buy at the auction? Uh, I, I didn't really buy this. I write jokes, man. Yeah. So I didn't really buy nothing at the auction. Uh, I, 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 I said they thought I said ten thousand for something, and then somebody else, Richard, was like twenty, and I was like, "Whew, you're like keep the twenty. Yeah, but until then, I was like, "Help, <laughs> God." Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from you about your movie, Deep Murder, which is coming yeah. up quite soon, and it's a porn <laughs> horror themed film. That's exactly right. Which I've never said those words before on television. Until, Hi, mom. Until I walked on set, I had never said those words either. Oh, forget. So, what can we expect seeing this film? Uh, it's it's uh, if you've ever watched uh, any kind of uh, movie uh, past 10 o'clock on mm-hmm. Cinemax uh, <laughs> between the years of 1998 and 2010. <laughs> you know the tone. Mm. And then um, it's, it's just a great, it's a great parody of, of, um, of porn, <laughs> of, of softcore porn when somebody in that world uh, dies and they have mm. to deal with a murder, something they never had to deal with. And all these char- uh, character types start breaking down because mm-hmm. they don't know how to deal with things besides Finding sex as a solution, so it's very—it's a very clever way to go about the parody, and I had so much fun. And this cast is hilarious. Yeah. So tell me about this cast. I mean, you have so many incredible comedians and funny folks acting alongside you. What yeah. was it like behind the scenes? I mean, we were laughing all the time. 
Uh, I mean, Jerry O'Connell is like one of the funniest dudes. I did not even know this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like, he's so hilarious. Uh, Katie Austin too. Se- Stephanie Drake was amazing. Uh, and the and uh, Quinn and uh, man, I'm gonna have to th- think of everybody's name. You don't have now. to go to everyone. I just set up a game. I can't finish. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we, we had so much fun. We had a couple of, like real porn stars. I won't. I guess I won't say that. I don't know if I can say that. Or not. You can say that. But we had some real porn stars there too, and that was so much fun. I've never seen. Uh, so many uh, producers just, uh, oh, as soon as they walked in, it's like, that person's been such a part of my life and I've never met them. You're like, wow, I've seen you before. You're, they're getting recognized and like, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're also in like casual gear, so yeah. you're like, oh, who's that? Oh, you know, uh, it, it, was like a, it was a really cool experience that I've, I never thought I would do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's uh, how anybody describes doing porn. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of cool experiences, you're on SNL, one of the most yeah. famous shows on TV. And I want to ask you about a character that you do, Soldier okay. Boy. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. is that your favorite person to do on the show? Uh, Soldier Boy is one of my favorite wild, wild characters in, uh, in hip hop because mm. he's just uh, he's just passionate, man, and he's also like a lot of things about a lot of things about achieving your dreams is follow through mm-hmm. and what he has is follow through for real. whether it's all the way figured out <laughs> we don't know but he has follow through he was like you know you know what there was a day when instagram shut down and <laughs> And Facebook shut down. And he's like, you know what won't shut down? Soldier Boy app. And then he made the app in like 10 minutes. Was it good? Entrepreneur. No. No. I got on the app. I got the app now, Soldier. I support you, brother. But I was in his chat room and there was 16 people just confused what we do now. (laughs) There was nothing else to the app. But he it was followed through. He did it. You know, he's always constantly trying to figure out how to make other things happen. Yeah, he wild, yeah, he talk crazy. And I it's it's very entertaining. And it was just very fun to like. You know, Soldier Boy's a big part of like growing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I just I just like supporting Soldier. So when he did that, when he did that video and in those interviews, he was back popping again. I couldn't wait yeah. to like take. My, well, I'm sure he appreciates you keeping his uh, name relevant on a very popular show. Hey man, I'm keep. I just, just hope he uses it, drops some more music, and just you know, I think yeah, I think he's gonna drop some yeah, more music. Yeah, he'll always. He will always. He will Soldier be, Boy ain't going. End of the world will be cockroaches. Soldier Boy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Everything. Well, cool, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having and helping me with Fire Tweets, our favorite part of the show. Yeah. And Deep Murder will premiere on June 14th. <laughs> he's hitting the buttons. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, Deep Murder premieres June 14th. But up next, we're reading more of your tweets. So stay tuned. Welcome back. It's time for At Us, where we read your tweets. And I just want to say, horror-themed porno genre. That's a new one for me. I I don't even know if I said that right. It's horror porn theme. I don't know. Watch it. Chris is great. Seems entertaining. (laughs) That's like my job reading tweets. It's fine. Totally fine. (laughs) Let's get into these tweets. Jolie tweeted this after our conversation about Boston's straight pride parade. One, it's still a march. Two, It's not our fault LGBTQ people make everything look better. Three, wearing rainbows, makeup, glitter, flannel, pasties, or barely anything is still an act of resistance in a patriarchal society. For a straight pride parade is a hate march. How about that? Ooh, drag them, sis. Get them together. I mean, <laughs> wow, calling Agreed. you for the drag yeah. tweet. Yep. Wow, yep. good job. Okay, Here for it. sign, 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 cosign, everything. <laughs> okay, well, our next tweet comes from Princess Slaya, hey girl, who tweeted this about our new BuzzFeed UK show. 
I'm so excited to check out what to watch. Yes. How are you feeling? I loved watching that conversation. It was so fun. You know, I was sitting across uh, the studio and it was hard for me to like not want to mm-hmm. chime in and also talk about shows. Yeah. I mean, it looks really fun. I'll be watching. It's great. And they're our family now. Yeah, We're exactly. Joking. And we got to do a crossover show. Sisters, crossover. Crossover. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you to our guests, Nora Dominic, Claudia Kerner, Carlos Maza, Dion Grant, Scott Bryan, Chris Red, Varshini Prakash, Saya Ameli, and Sutton Foster. And I'm off tomorrow, but Alex and Sylvia, Sylvia Obel will be here at 10 a.m. But you all have a great rest of your day. Very excited to co-host with Sylvia. That's going to be great. I'll miss you. Bye-bye.